0: Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace, and with me, as always, is my very, very talented friend, who you know is checking our list to see who's naughty or nice. She's a DC Gina.
1: Isn't that the truth? I am like Jackson Balances all the time. What'd you do? I'm not talking to you for five
0: years. You're not doing that to the
1: kids. Right? Oh, my. Uh, well, they're always naughty, and um, <laughs> and that's a different yin yang. Um, because I have to be nice to them by law.
0: Yeah. So true.
1: for 18, till they're 18, and then I, I can be like, wow, we're good now. I mean, Done. I wouldn't. But. You're out. I mean, I'm, I am looking at summer camps, but that's yeah. another story.
0: <laughs> so speaking. Uh, naughty or nice. Do you know you done with your f- Christmas shopping? I mean, you got a couple weeks, but are you, no? No. No. <laughs> you know what? Louie and Louise, our, our, our previous guests this uh, season,
1: the end of the season this year, I we know what they are getting. They're going to get the gift that keeps on giving to others. Yes. They don't need anything else for themselves. Great. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to see how that goes over Christmas morning. Here's well, a bunch
0: what? of papers. I did that last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mommy sucks. <laughs> So, the fact that you aren't finished, you are not alone. In fact, that 60% of Americans won't finish buying their gifts until the week before Christmas. Mm-hmm. That sounds like me. I don't know. Uh, it's according to some recent study. I don't know. Um, but they really
1: should say, it's how many gifts do you buy yourself when you're buying other people gifts? Because that's fucking real.
0: Okay, so we have, well, let me get there. You're a little ahead of me. Sorry. Don't worry. Pause um it. So, I have some, so it's. That's 60% of all Americans. So here's some other statistics for you, some holiday statistics for you um, that I found on the Googles. Um, The truth serum. Exactly. Um, It should come to no surprise that more than 60% of of U.S. consumers prefer to buy their holiday gifts online. Mm. The ease, right? Kind of... Not hard to believe. Um, and then here's some mobile devices are expected to dominate online shopping this year. According uh, to some, there 71% of all digital traffic will be shopping. Digital it's got to be now shopping. And, Everybody it, shops all day online. But this is seventy one percent during the holiday season. Fifty six percent of all digital orders will be made on your phone, not not a laptop. Is the point to that? Um, and here's something I'm sure we can all relate to: forty percent, forty six percent of people have lied about liking a gift. <laughs> Oh, 46. 46. The I rest was. of them are lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the Um 47.4% of women would prefer jewelry, which I think that's a low number too. For jewelry. That's because women cow. lie.
1: If like, anything, would be nice. No, no, no one fucking sure. something shiny.
0: So here's the funny thing. You say <laughs> that because um, one third of all men would prefer a gift card <laughs> over okay. anything okay. else. One third. Um, and I think that all teen- teenagers just 99.9% all they want is money or gift cards wow. is what I'm yeah. is am at yeah. up um, and then fi- finally, and this came out of Deloitte, who knows why, but 51% of Christmas shoppers buy gifts for themselves too, just to your point. 51%. Selfish F's. But <laughs> like they walk into the store and they're like, oh, I love this can.
1: I'm gonna get that for me, and I'm gonna get two for these people. It's so wrong. And then when you give the gift, you're like, I have one too. It's fucked up. No, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, even yeah. if you have one, don't tell me. No, about don't
0: dare. Don't, yeah, that's the thing. Don't, don't tell. tell
1: me that you fucking bought it. Just get it for yourself. And put it away until after
0: you Easter rip it out and be like all
1: right well here it is.
0: (laughs) So all this talk about spending brings me to today's designated drinker. I'm betting he may advise us not to overindulge in this type of Christmas cheer um, because he's an expert in all things financial. (laughs) All things (laughs) especially in the hospitality industry. Um, He is a certified public accountant and the president of Harmony Group. Please welcome to the show Matt Hedrick.
2: Very good.
0: Yay! Hey. He hey. All right. No no, 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 you don't know. Please. I butcher names like yeah, terrible. Yeah, you could be like, John Smith you, you and I would it. say John, John Smite. Smite. Yeah, John yeah 100%. 100%. So let's start it off. What is Harmony Group?
2: Uh, so Harmony Group's a CPA firm headquartered in the D.C. area um, that focuses on um, the hospitality industry. We do most of the best restaurants in this whole area and a bunch of the best ones are in the whole country. Um, and then we also do taxes for businesses and their owners like Gina.
0: Yes. That's right, That's
1: well, that's how we found Matt.
0: Yes, that's well, why I'm assuming why he'd say don't spend your money there. You, you owe all these taxes, Gina. Uh, no, I don't owe any
1: taxes. should She not
2: ask me about that Undead. part. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm like, <laughs> so Matt, and i like, Matt, can I
1: buy this? He's like, no, don't buy that. I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna get it anyway. <laughs> 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 no, Matt, no, it's, sorry, go ahead, go
2: mm-hmm. ahead. I was gonna say, that's actually true. That is very true. <laughs> but at least somebody will tell you what to do, yes. right?
0: Yes, It's all right, go ahead. So how do you know each other?
2: Gina oh. and I have worked together for five years, four years, pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, yeah. barely
1: pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Matt um, saved my, uh, so I'll back up. Andrew Lindbergh worked for, um, um, for Buffalo and Bergen as our um, um, director, operations director. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, I saw him in, the other day. In order to grow, you need, you need a, a CPA that understands what you need to do, right? And it wasn't that my CPA was bad, they just weren't for growth and for like me ma- really managing what you're doing, right? So I was like, I don't want to switch. Like most people that have an accountant, the scariest thing in the world is to, to venture into the unknown with money, yeah. right? And like, I was terrified as beyond the word, right? I didn't want to do it, I was being lazy about it. I was like, it's fine. It's all the things, and it wasn't fine. I was definitely being lazy about it, and I was scared. yeah, because I didn't understand how it was going to work, and I was, and I liked the person that came and had 59 you know folders, and they showed up at the restaurant and they looked at you and they're dead, we, we, here we are together, and here's a check, and you, you know what I mean? that all works, right? Well, because you understood it. I understood it, and I was afraid I was afraid of what happens, right. Yeah. Well, we met and we started like talking about this how we would go, and I was like, all right, all right, we'll try it and Andrew um definitely had been working with Matt before, and he's like, he will whatever you think that you want to do, he will help you facilitate and make it happen more more so like a um like a CFO like a chief financial officer and like yeah. help you really advise you in the right ways help with Growth. growth, but charts, but like also like how do you budget? Like what are you gonna do? How are you gonna do that? What's a better way of spending money? How do you look at? It? How do you forecast? How do you right?
2: Everybody's favorite stuff, right? It's super exciting. Yeah, yeah but it is <laughs> like not part.
1: exciting, right? Yeah, no, it's really boring. It's all, not boring. It's scary. Yeah, He scary. says boring because he understands it. For me, yeah, I'm in the same boat Like I you. can't even I'm talk. Like it's, I'm getting nervous all over again, and I've already onboarded. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I've been onboarded for years. I'm already like starting to sweat a little. Yep. Yep. And COVID hits, and... We're tra- and we're in the middle of this whole big change. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I gonna do now? What am I gonna do now? And he's like, don't worry about it. We- I- I- we're gonna do it, we're all gonna get through it. Just don't worry about it, okay, don't <laughs> worry about it. Like, I'm like, and like, he's like, just work. He's like, just open your restaurant, just do what you need to do. Like, either open or close, whatever you're gonna do, go just do it. So I pulled the bandaid off and I opened and like, like, I, I-, I sing their praises all the time because like, he never stopped working and like, so many people stopped working, stopped answering your calls. Like literally, your phone was it was going nowhere. Nobody was answering the calls. You had no money to pay your staff. You you had like minimal minimal funding. People weren't coming to your restaurant. You just life was falling apart. And Harmony CPA was there to um, help. And a, and a, and it wasn't just Matt. It was my team. Yeah. And as a team assigned to you, and I think that as somebody in the restaurant business or somebody that owns a business, they deserve more. And I think now that I understand that, like, you can have that. Like, I am, like, fuck, everybody, sh- do it. Like, do it. Like, I mean, selfishly, there's always a part of you that doesn't want to share, like, the greatest thing ever. But, like, I think that, like, his group is, like, really amazing at handholding smaller businesses that are not, you know, maybe so savvy when it comes to, like, I don't know, paying your taxes on time or sales tax or you need to report this to the government or you need to do these things. And, like, that's how we met.
2: Man, you make us sound amazing. <laughs> you
1: are amazing, you know it. He's, no, they're really great. And like, honestly, I wish that everybody wouldn't be so scared of yeah. their accountant because you shouldn't be.
0: Yeah. No, I'm in the same boat and completely different industry. I hate going to the CBA. I just, it just like, and, and super nice and I'm not in a bad space. It's yeah. just so intimidating. And I don't know if it's because you're just like bearing your soul or you think, you know, you build this thing in your head and it's, you know they're gonna see through you, I think is what it is, I don't
2: know. Funny, because it's such a like, uh, you don't think of it that way, you think of it like your, your numbers or something like that, right? But like yeah. when you become a business owner or a person who's using a CPA in like that part of your life, it's like a very intimate relationship. Yeah. Uh, like I've had people who, you know i'll be the first person who finds out about a divorce or like a miscarriage or like something really really intense like i just got diagnosed with breast cancer and they're like crying on me and like things that are like really really intense but like that's the nature of it we like i always teach our new staff and we have this like really amazing team of like work from home people all around the us um but i always teach them like look it's not it's not really a numbers thing it's not even accounting you're like you have to understand this is just about psychology first and money second and the two things are like so deeply entwined with like people's self worth, especially yeah. in America. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, am I valuable? Well how do I get paid? Right. And yeah. so like I think when you understand that like the money is so important to them then it's a it's an interesting relationship. But you can be nice to people and support them in their dreams. It's a pretty cool thing.
0: Yeah. How did you end up in this space?
2: Um so my, always say, my back is I grew up in an accounting family. My dad's a CPA, really, really talented one, and he works with and for me now. Um, so I grew up doing that kind of stuff, and in college I did catering, so I really liked food, um, you know, did, did stuff like that that got me into the food world. And then I, uh, I was in school, probably the same time as you, and I age myself, but like 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. When did you mm-hmm. graduate? I graduated I was, in 2000,
1: my first degree. Okay. So I,
2: like I was already out. Okay, so I, I was just in school, and like 9-11 happened, and I was like in school for accounting and English, like I just told you a minute yeah. ago. Um, and then the war happened, and it kept going, and eventually I was like, all right, this is not going to stop for a while, and I joined the um, joined the infantry in the Army, and I fought in Iraq. And uh, when I came home from... You you?
0: Thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Of course.
2: Um, so that, that's like... You know, the job that I had then was shooting people for a living, which is a lot different than counting their numbers. Um, And so when I came home, uh, like a lot of soldiers immediately got my wife pregnant so hey Sadie Um, (laughs) and had to get out and go back to the family business kind of um, and I hated it and I always try to explain like it was the worst way to get PTSD ever I don't think I realized it at that time but I was like in a bad place and I was assigned to in this building actually uh, we had a couple restaurant clients there was a place Mm -hmm. called restaurant Eve back in the day majestic and um, anyway like I just got into the I was like, if I'm gonna do accounting, I should do it in an industry that I really like am passionate about. Um and from that little spark just learned for like how to do restaurant accounting. And I used to do literally everything for free, little restaurants that don't exist anymore, bars, like anybody who would take me, like just to to let me see their books, and yeah. I like taught myself, but then connected things from seeing big organizations and little ones. We've helped like hundred plus like three four hundred unit things from europe come to america like really big stuff all around the country and then taking those ideas and like combining them in ways that are really useful for say like gina right like gina's challenges at buffalo and bergen and at last call are they have so many parallels with what you need if you're running quite literally any other food business but they're also unique and like how do you connect the two and uh, say hey, here's the best thing to do with this. I've seen this decision a hundred different times. Here's how to do it, and Gina's, you know, she feels free to ignore me when needed, but also <laughs> takes it, takes it, takes it as like good advice because she knows that. Um, I think one of the things that I think I bring to the table is, you know, I asked you if I could curse before. Like I'll be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Um, and this is why, and she knows that I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, I think it's a unique relationship. Like a lot of CPAs are. Um, Nerdy accountant types, right? Like, that's why I'm making fun of it, but, like, very soft, and so, you know, when she needs somebody to yell at her about something, but in a I love you way, I want you to, like, succeed at your life goals, she knows that she can come to me, and the rest of the team is killing it on the work, and, you know, that's what we do.
1: Yeah. It's uh, really They're hard decisions. That's yeah. really cool, I didn't know that that's what you, I knew that you um, were in the, ar- that you did the army. of yeah. the that's why you
2: joined, that's yeah. pretty cool, amazing. Yeah, I wanted to, I didn't, I, like I, there was a point, you know when Bush did the landing on the carrier, and I was yeah. like, the war's over, mission and then. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished, and then literally that day, like 30 people got blown up or something, right? And I was like, this is not, over. Oh, no. And I was like, I didn't want to get older and like look back and be like, I chose not to do that. I remember sitting, at, I was at Maryland at the time I was in a business school. I remember sitting there like waiting for a class, like one of those big lecture hall ones, and overhearing like two kids talking about, I mean, we would have been kids at the time, yeah. right? Talking about like, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to, when I go to, you know, finish. I don't know, med school or something, I'm going to do plastic surgery, because that's where you make the most money. And I was like, I don't want to fucking be that guy, like who didn't do the right thing and only did it for money or was like that shallow, you know, it was like, it just happened to be the right conversation. Um, And I I tried to actually join the Marines, they didn't call me back right away, but the Army was fucking right there. Of
0: course they
2: were. Same (laughs) building right across, and like one was less responsive than the other, and I was like, all right, well what you do?
1: Hey, now there it is, yeah. right? That's
0: how you made your choice. That's yeah. crazy, right? It's
2: probably a lot better, to be honest. <laughs> Uniforms are way less cool, but.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I don't see too many army blokes with the special little na- ma- uh, marine space. I don't know what they do to their bodies, but man, <laughs> appreciate it, great deal.
1: Are you talking the V? Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm looking at you like, wait the a minute, bee. wait sorry. Yeah, the
0: V, yeah. <laughs> D-
1: well, I mean, Louise is a military wife as well, so there you go. My
0: husband served twenty years for the
2: Air uh, with, Force. Okay, there you go. The
0: chair force.
2: The chair force, but yeah. see, that's where you get all the best benefits, the best bases. Good job, him. Yeah, and but he did deploy service. a lot, right.
0: and he was a civil engineer. So, well, and he was there, obviously, same time you were, and what the Air Force did. But everyone's like, oh, they didn't serve. I'm like, uh, and especially they went in before the bases existed, and that's yeah. you know, planes need to land. So there are engineers that have to go in and figure that out so well
2: honestly like thanks for your service because I think people don't understand like how much harder it is almost for military spouses and families like me I'm, I'm deployed I'm Doing stuff, I understand. We have a mission though. Yeah, yeah. Have,
0: you're, you're, that, you guys uh, just
2: have to wait yeah. and have no idea what's going on. And like back then, we didn't have fucking iPhones. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Oh, no,
0: yeah. Dave. Well, when Dave first deployed um, to, he went to Saudi first, mm-hmm. way before. Mm-hmm. Um, that was Dear Desert Storm.
2: Oh, yes, okay. um,
0: and. Uh, that was hard, because it's all in the news, and this is the very first time, I'm 20-nothing, yeah. and it's in the news, to your point, but you don't know anything other than what's terrible coming across. This is being blown up, that's being blown up, and you have no idea. Right. He could call me like once every two weeks, that? and it was when they had the phone stations, and there was always somebody on the line listening, and he only had like 12 minutes every two
2: weeks. That's uh, Tough way to keep a relationship running, and, and like if you're the guy doing the work, you just work harder, yeah. And like, I don't know, like blood, sweat, and tears, and get, get it done. Families, no way, like that's so hard. So, thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You guys are so cute right now, I want to cry. <laughs> well,
2: I have, I have uh, my, my good friend and staffer, Mackenzie, right now, her husband's in, in Europe, my best friends in uh, Europe. Like, one of them is obviously deployed as in the military, mm-hmm. he's a helicopter pilot. Uh, my, my best friend is like a contractor um, and like I'm just, you know, it's so difficult to watch uh, what I remember being difficult but never on this end. Yeah, you know? so, yeah,
0: so you're seeing the other the flip side yeah, of Yeah, it. that's kind to hard.
2: That'd be weird. Really. Oh, hell yeah.
0: So how do you think that um, experience kind of played into the, your next space?
2: Uh, well, I mean like a good example of it is probably the Gina thing. I still remember, I'm sure it's on the internet, like writing a thing to like all the clients. Uh, like when COVID hit and the shutdowns hit. And I think I like alluded to the military service. I'm like, look, one of the things you should know is I got your back. This is not that bad. Whatever it is, I'll help you through it. And so will the rest of us. Um, I don't know. Sometimes it's a little, it, like the, that was a hard period, but I would say it was almost easier than some of the periods since then. Like, like the stuff we're dealing about now uh, with this change to the whole industry and stuff, there's not the same like sense of, um death yeah like people people are like why the fuck are restaurants charging service charge and it's like this is a complicated topic about some people who fucked the whole industry up for no reason do you want to talk about it for six hours because we can at that point it was like how do we survive because everybody was afraid you know nobody knew what was coming and um and I think having like a guiding hand to help people through like we lost a single client in all of COVID uh, in all the restaurants, hundreds of restaurants that we worked with, right? That's,
0: that's um, right. And, yeah. and the only
2: one was a guy named Adam Greenberg, who's been oh, on the yeah, show. Yeah. yeah. And he's awesome. He's and good. He had a great concept, and you can't you, you can't do an inside you can't do a communal, yeah. communal <laughs> tables yeah.
0: during a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. So that was that was just like bad luck for him, um, but we helped him out of D.C., which was which is great. And everybody else, um, we helped through it. So I think that's really good. And I think like you know taking that same experience like. You know, my team will sometimes complain about oh like we're working hard at this or that and everybody will say that and I'm like, Well oh, it's not ninety hours in like hundred and fifty degree heat, so get out of here. <laughs> like, yeah. Kind of puts things in perspective.
0: Yeah, you know, like
2: I just can't lose that perspective. And um, so I think it makes it easy to say, Hey Gina, this is a fucking dumb idea or like you should change it in this way and not be afraid of like Gina's not gonna shoot me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean she might poison my drink. No, yeah, <laughs>
1: No, I, I appreciate, like, no one's listening, right? Like, you talk about restaurants, right? What he's talking about, you know what he's talking about. Yes. initiative right? Yes. yes. And what they don't realize, what they're doing, they're single-handedly ripping the money out of all of these restaurant, um, front-of-the-house employees. Yeah. And these employees are going to make significantly less money because regular people think that you don't have to tip anymore, right? Like, it's not a service. And I think, and I've been over this a thousand times on the show. Yes. If someone's giving you a service they get a gratuity. You don't cut your own hair, you tip your hairdresser. You don't do your own nails, you tip the person that does your nails. You don't have to pick up your garbage, you give them literally a gift at Christmas. They pick up your garbage every, every week, you know? Yeah. You don't realize what they do for you, right? You put it out there, a gesture, thank you. Even if you're gonna go buy lunch, doesn't matter. These are things you don't wanna do and you're paying somebody else to do, then you give them a gratuity. But what they did was they didn't realize how much money some of these employees are making and somebody sitting, you know, with nothing else to do in an industry they don't understand is like, oh, how can I uh, be disruptive, right? They're a disruptor. And how can I, you know, make it seem like I'm doing the good for the other person? And and they realize these politicians like back something that really no idea they, what they, they were doing. No yeah. They have no idea. They have like, no idea. They just
2: did this in Chicago, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's just like you're checking the right boxes because you have your own aspirations to do more. And the, the restaurant frustra- employees
1: shouldn't make five. What is it? Five dollars or whatever they say. Like if yeah. you
2: fucking lie to everybody, right? Like all you, if you, if I said to anybody in this room, I said, Hey, look, do you think someone in DC should like make less than ten bucks an hour? You would say, Absolutely not. Where do I sign on the line? And that's all they do, right? And it's a really easy thing. It, like in DC, you look at how that initiative passed. It's real, real simple, right? You pay enough people to stand on the right corners, ask a dumb question like that, which all of us would be like, I absolutely don't think you should make five bucks an hour. Yeah. Now you don't. You're, you're disingenuous at best, you're dishonest, mm-hmm. maybe a just straight up fucking liar at worst. Um, and you do it because you have like certain feelings about like a bigger bigger industry. We could talk about that for sure. Like yeah, where, okay. where tips come from, all that kind of stuff, right? But what you're doing is you're lying to people to make them make a law change that hurts people. Yeah, And you're doing it you're doing it for bad reasons. I mean you're doing it maybe at best for naive reasons, right? You're I would like,
0: say it's is it the difference between ignorance and malice? And that would be getting would, into the heart of that that's and it may be there the, may be there may be no one answer to that. To, I don't know. They okay. wanna humanize
1: they wanna unionize the entire yeah. restaurant industry yeah. which will go poorly. So sure. so
2: like that's a good thing. Like do like, there's a like a fundamental sort of like uh, bigger picture philosophical question of like if you use um, like if you want to achieve something that you think is good but you'll break the law or break the rules or whatever you want to say to like accomplish that if you're gonna be nefarious if you're gonna do stuff that's just if you're gonna to lie to accomplish yeah. it yeah. is it still good right yeah. like does the nature of how you get to a, a good outcome matter yeah. maybe maybe not but what but like the reality that Gina and I are living is that you've now stripped away the protections that belong to those workers so go fuck yourself is how I feel about it first of all second of all like the best case scenario in all of this is that everybody pays a bunch more, right? And it gets split up differently in a, in a hot mess, which is exactly what's happening. Yeah. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is like, is the whole set of other problems that come. Like you, you're you incentivizing people to automate work, right? You're incentivizing people um, to basically adopt the West Coast model. If, if you go out to Portland, if you go out to places like that, like service is different. The reason service is different is because you can't make the restaurant model work there. I, who who does it benefit right yeah. like it doesn't benefit the it doesn't benefit the like BIPOC single mom woman who like is it's purportedly supposed to help when she used to make 50 bucks an hour and you've now changed that she makes 30 yeah. and she has no she has no bargaining she had federal law on her side last year now she has no bargaining power in the future so who the fuck did you help, Yeah, is how I feel about it. Like, you know what I mean?
1: Oh, I I know, I'm watching it happen right now, and then this law passed, and now everybody thinks they don't have to tip anybody anything. And then like I I see And they
2: think think that the restaurants are like making all this money, and we can walk (laughs) through the, we can walk through why that doesn't make sense in a second, but they think it's like this, like Gina's a big like fat cat out there making so much money, this is what's happening, she can definitely afford to pay more, right? A restaurant works like this, you bring in $100, $90 of it in the best-run restaurants, Mm -hmm. largely speaking, goes straight out in expenses. 65% of it goes to the food and drink on your plate. 25% of it goes to other stuff between rent and like operating costs and credit card fees and insurance and stuff. So what's left over at best is 10%. I'll tell you right now, most restaurants don't come anywhere close to that. So if you come in and you take a law where you said, hey, you can pay 5 bucks out of pocket. Right, And, and that, uh, that piece of it for your servers is 5% of the gross. Every 100 bucks we bring in, the restaurant used to pay, or in other places, we'll pay $5, 5% of it out into them. They keep the tips for the rest. Right, You take the five bucks, make it 15, and just for rough numbers, it's obviously yeah. like five or six going to 17. Yeah. All of a sudden you took that 5% and made it 10%. There goes all the profit in the best case scenario. But most restaurants are making like fucking 3% too. So you just sent them way under water. Which we
0: learned that through COVID. Yeah. We learned how thin the margins were.
2: Through COVID. The average
0: person like me, what do you call me, daywalkers? Yes. We were were then exposed to that. We are getting ugly looks from Alex. She's going to make us... All right, let's, do our so tip. let's do our tip. And okay. We're gonna hold this and we're gonna come back and okay. move afterward. Okay. Alex is mean, man. I'm telling you, she looks she looks sweet, but man, I I don't I always keep one eye on her. <laughs> <laughs> what is this?
1: What is this? What is this? See this in the liquor store? Intimidated? Not sure what it is. Is it cardamom? It's not cardamom. It's not cardamom at all. Do you even know what cardamom is? If you don't, you can scroll back a little bit on Instagram and learn all about that little funky spice. However, that's not what this is. Caramaro. Cardamaro is a wine-based aperitif, right? What does that mean? It means that it's infused wine. It's been infused um, with like cardone and thistle and is aged in oak. And then you use it as a very bitter ingredient in lovely cocktails, such as decorates or old fashions or different um you know bourbon drinks manhattans whatever you want it's kind of like you use it as you like or you can sip it why am i showing you this Right? do i work for them i do not is cardamaro amazing during the holidays it is it gives a certain level of i don't know bitter happiness that makes all the holidays seem a little bit sweeter um, it has this like, great, beautiful, you know, great brandy nose to it, aromatic, mixed flowers, herbs, all those wonderful things. But I mentioned this thing called cardoon, and you're like, what is that? Well, cardoon is, the best way to describe it, is a leafy part of an artichoke um, stem. It's not technically from there, but it looks just like that. And if you've ever seen uh, a baby of um, rhubarb, but when it's really, really green and leafy, it kind of looks like that. So it makes this beautiful bitter thing and the Italians really do know how to find those ingredients to just like make the bitter oh so nice. So drink it as a digestif, add it to your cocktails, but enjoy it because it's one of those things that once you love it, you'll
0: always love it. So cheers. So I know it's not cardamom.
1: (laughs) It is not, and you'll now know what the cardoon is. You'll be like, yeah, the cardoon is what? Do you remember? It's part of the what plant? Artichoke uh, plant? Yes. Cardamom
2: is part of artichoke?
1: Car- no, cardone. Oh. Cardone is the stem, a leafy part that's used to make a bitter ingredient in um, cardamaro. A lot of people were like, that's cardamom liquor. I'm like, it's, it's not.
0: See, this, see, obviously, Matt and I were talking and not paying attention when you were schooling everyone.
2: That's true. <laughs> During the tip. I'm going to use this on Thanksgiving this week to yeah. make a drink. Cardamom? Cardamaro?
1: Car- Mar- <laughs> cardamaro. <laughs> I'm going to have another cocktail, and it's going to be Carta.
0: And I'll be like, yeah, there's cardamom, who cares? So where are they going to go to get this tip and learn all the difference between yeah. cardamom and Cardamon? Yeah.
1: <laughs> right? You're going to go to Show, and you'll get the tips, tricks, how-to. And you can follow Designated Drinker on Instagram. And you can see my lovely face explaining Beautiful. this liquor. Thanks. But also, send us a DM, engage, write a comment, let us know. Are you happy with what
0: you're saying? Give an idea for something else that you want to say. I am all ears. And if you want to know why you should tip, she'll tell you. Um, And if you didn't catch it, don't worry. You can just um, scroll down into your episode notes. We'll have all those links to get to all the things. And you definitely want to go check out that uh, library of libations at Show because Gina, you have six seasons. Six seasons. That's crazy, right? Eighty like episodes and recipes at least. You
2: did all these famous people. Thanks for adding me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to bring smart people in the room too. You know.
2: <laughs> Trying to keep up.
0: All right. So this brings us to the end of part one with designated drinker and president of Harmony Group, Matt. Hedrick, but if you're anything like me or Gina, and I have a suspicion like Matt, one round is never enough. So go top up that drink and get ready for part two of this episode as we continue our boozy banter. And Gina shares a cocktail that is filled with goodwill and holiday cheer. Ah, cheers! Cheers. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a Latino owned, strategy driven, creatively fueled production co op. From ideation to creation, we craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers. Now if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Links League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please don't forget to follow, download, and review the shows. Your reviews help our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.